Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to the Rapture's Rapture podcast. Uh, I'm Mike Bassetti, joined with Brian Boak. Uh, how are you doing today, Brian? Very well, thank you. Good to hear. Um, let's go ahead and get right into it. The On Friday night, the Toronto Raptors faced off against the Milwaukee Bucks in a heartbreaking loss that was a little bit controversial in what happened during the end. Uh, Brian, what were your main takeaways during the game? Well, there were a lot. This start with something negative. The uh, trend for OG Ananobi continues to be in the wrong direction. He's not contributing offensively whatsoever. And while he's still competent defensively, we're not seeing passing. We're not seeing much of anything at all. And uh, I really have to get back to my point that I made before the break, which was that maybe it's time to, to make the switch over to uh, C.J. Miles. Uh, I also was disappointed in, in how little J.V. was used, Jonas Valanciunas, for much of the game. Uh, so I think that that's something that they're going to have to work very hard on because it was uh, uh, way too much iso ball as far as I was concerned. So I wasn't surprised to see the first qu- uh, quarter lead get get dumped and, and it required a <laughs> at the buzzer basket even to get to a tie. So it certainly wasn't the return from the break that uh, any of us wanted and, and the overtime was also ugly to jump out to a 5 nothing lead and yet still lose is not good at all. Yeah, just to back up what you said on OG Ananobi last night, or not last night, Friday night, he had 13 minutes, was 0 of 1, had one steal and one block, but was I mean, other than that, was not on the stat line. Zero rebounds, zero assists, and 0 for 1. Um, with 13 minutes, he's really only the nominal starter anyways. I, I would be surprised if the Raptors don't look at making a switch here soon. If a guy's playing only 13 minutes, he's not, you know, he has already started to lose the trust of the coach. So it will be interesting kind of down the stretch if Casey does do that, like you said. Um things have really kind of spiraled down for 
OG lately. Um, another thing that stuck out to me was how poorly the Raptors shot. Uh, looking at it here, they were 9 of 34 from 3, which is they shot all, pretty much about half as well as the Bucks, who shot 50% from 3. And it's tough to win a game when you are shooting 26% and they're shooting 50% from behind the arc. It's very hard. It's, it's extremely hard to defend that kind of thing as well. I mean, they they were getting a, a, a lot of open looks. They have there was also some crazy shots. I mean, um, Jason Terry was out of his mind in that game. That the one where uh, in, in the overtime when the Greek freak went into the jumped out to retrieve the ball from going out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Behind his back to Terry in the corner, who, who heaved up a three, which had nothing but string, it was completely impossible. But that's what happened. <laughs> so there was that was uh, jarring. Um, I also have posted uh, a kind of a, an angry discussion of, of some of the missed calls that were so critical in that game, like in particular the uh, should have been foul at the end of regulation on JV's dunk, and then the same thing happened. In the overtime period, and, and JV was fouled, and even the league admitted, because I waited until they, they published the two-minute report, and they mm-hmm. admitted that that was a, a missed call, and he should have uh, been given a free throw, which would, if, if he makes that, we've got a tie game again with two minutes to play in overtime. And being down one point with two minutes to play versus being tied is a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, and on that little baseline jumper that Giannis had, he does travel on that. I mean... NBA and traveling, I understand that perhaps that one doesn't get called most of the time. But like you said, I was really amazed that play at the end of regulation, they didn't give Jonas the and one. I don't know what more has to happen during that play for him to receive the foul call. I mean, he was hacked. He was, but. And and in overtime, he was hacked. He was hacked so badly that he he got a small cut on his face. I mean. Like, what, what, how can you miss that? It's incomprehensible to me. And, yes, you're right about the travel um, on Giannis's uh, bucket. He, he did, definitely did a, a nice dance up there before he got the shot away. So this kind of thing is, is really quite maddening. And, and uh, I also called up one other one in regulation time when, when DeMar got fouled, and it was called again by Henson. And the other the, – time that uh, in the second quarter when I wrote this up in my recap how frustrating it was to see DeMar get banged into the shooter who made the three-pointer and they ended up with a four-point play plus a technical foul so a five-point play effectively when DeMar was the one who was fouled because he was banged into the shooter. I mean it was just a dreadfully called game and I can tell you that when I saw who was going to be refereeing the game I groaned inwardly because I know that that, that trio is really bad Cold Camp Stafford and Kane is just dreadful. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but as, as tough as it is, it's a regular season game and still in February. So we are all right after winning seven in a row. They still won eight of ten. So one loss isn't going to do anything. As we take a step back, let's look at the bigger picture, Brian. And, and look at the teams around the East, possible playoff opponents. We'll start with the nine seed Detroit, as that's pretty much the, it would take a Herculean effort for Charlotte to get in. So I don't think 
think we're safe starting at with Detroit at nine. Um, first, if you just want to go ahead and give me your overall takeaway of the team and if they were ever to face up with Toronto in the playoffs, what you think the X factor would be. Uh, starting with Detroit, Brian, if you want to go ahead. Detroit, Detroit is for me something of, of a incomprehensible team. You know, they've they've moved a lot of people out. They're they're still playing the antiquated style with their best player being their lump of the center, Andre Drummond, who's and and I'm going to take my hat off to him. His his free throw shooting, which was farcically bad before before the season, has has turned quite respectable. So well done, Andre, and he stayed healthy, but. He doesn't offer them a whole lot of anything else. He certainly doesn't offer them anything that is uh, prerequisite in today's NBA, which of course is, is deep shooting and, and motion. So it's hard for me to understand, uh, even if they get into the playoffs, how they can succeed. So uh, they're, they're, they point guard is Reggie Jackson, who's hurt. Uh, they traded Avery Bradley. They're, so they're a team in no small amount of transition. They keep hoping that somebody's going to emerge from their recent draft picks like uh, Luke Kennard or um, Henry Ellenson. That hasn't happened. They keep running out Ish Smith as their point guard, and he can do a lot of things but can't shoot. To me, they will be very lucky just to find themselves in, to find themselves in, in the playoffs with, say, a 40 and 42 record, and they'll be quickly ushered out the door. I don't think they would, they would uh, make five games with uh, many more than five games against the Raptors. Right. Um, the thing that they do have is they have two talented big men who both can pass the ball, so they can play a little high-low action. Um, they've been good at home this year, odd as that is. I think what they provide over other teams is the ability to work out of the post and work pretty much exclusively in the post. The problem is they don't have the shooting to match it. Um, I think if you had Blake Griffin, Drummond, and then you had a couple of competent shooters to surround them with where they can play some high-low action and you have to be worried about guys coming off screens, then they do become a threat. But until they get those guys, and as long as they're playing Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith and other point guards who don't have really a threatening three-point game, I think that, like you said, they are in trouble and – Maybe they sneak out a game at home versus Raptors, but I don't think it goes anything more than five. Yeah, I should have mentioned Blake Griffin, but does he really move the needle enough for them to, first of all, make it into the playoffs, and secondly, do anything when they're there? And my answer to that is no. He's also a very vulnerable guy. He spent a lot of time in his career on the injury list. And, and my experience over the years has been that when a guy starts – piling up injuries, he's increasingly more vulnerable for another one because his body is beginning to break down. And Blake Griffin plays a tough game. He plays a body-on-body -body game a lot of the time. And, and I don't wish anybody any misfortune. I like good hoops in this, and the guy can certainly provide that. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's the next guy to turn an ankle, blow out a knee, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think for him it will be really – challenging as you get into the later parts of the contract. He might be worth that trade now, but I wonder what's going to happen for them kind of three years down the road where Blake Griffin's getting paid even more than what he is now, and he's even older and more injury-prone than what he is. 
So, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not the kind of team where you where you look at them and say, "Wow, they're going to be something special in two or three years." I I can't get there with this bunch. Right. So let's go ahead and move on then to the Miami Heat. They currently are the eight seed. They would be the first round matchup for the Raptors if the playoffs were to start today. Uh, Brian, what's your overall takeaway of the Heat? They make me scratch my head perhaps more than any other lower seed. I mean, sometimes they, they look great, and sometimes they can't get out of their own way. Uh, they, there seems to be some issues on their team right now with players like uh, Hassan Whiteside as to what he's going to do, what his minutes are going to be, whether he's truly helping them. Um, you know, Goran Dragic is, is a terrific player, obviously, so they, that's a, a position of strength for them at the point and drives the Raptors crazy, but they uh, don't have a whole bunch of capability up front. I mean, Kelly Olenek is a nice player if you like stretch fives, but he doesn't add a lot for, for rebounding or defense. James Johnson is one temper tantrum away from being thrown out of the game. Uh, I, 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 that's another team that I can't, I, I can see the pieces, but I can't see the hole for them. So I would be actually quite happy to, to come up against them in the first round. They don't scare me nearly as much as some of the other teams. Yeah, they, to me, the team is built in a weird way that I'm not sure how it works. It seems to work. They are, they're a talented bunch. They have a bunch of guys that have all pretty major flaws in their game, but overall are good players. So it will be interesting to see how they match up in the playoffs. Um, one guy that you didn't mention who I'm a huge fan of is Bam Adebayo, the rookie they have there. He, The way he plays is really exciting, and I think that he is really talented um, as a backup big man for them. They kind of have a bunch of different four slash fives that they can throw out at you. So, um, yeah, they're they're an interesting team to be. They do have – they are deep, which I think is interesting for Toronto as far as they would be the one bench that maybe they're not as good as Toronto's, but they can at least kind of keep up the pace with Toronto and at least threaten Toronto's bench. So that is interesting to me. Yes, I agree with you, and, and it's good that you pointed out out of bio. I think he's a very talented young man. I think he's probably – two seasons away from being the force that he may very well be. Mm -hmm. There's a lot lot going on with that guy. And uh, and it may be that he'll arrive sooner. He could be a you know a playoff breakout star. But I don't think it's just it's against the odds to suggest that he can do it this year. Next year maybe, year after that almost for sure. And yes, yeah, so he he and some of their other guys, there's definitely a lot of nice pieces there, but they're not they're not a finished product in my mind. Right. I agree with you and one, he is still a rookie, and you have to worry about that. And two, he really can't share the floor with Hassan Whiteside. So anytime that you're playing him, Whiteside has to be off the court, which pretty much limits the amount of minutes he can play during any kind of playoff series. Yeah, yeah. So then you wonder whether Whiteside is going to be the odd man out in the offseason, which isn't relevant to our discussion, but if, you know, I think about it anyway. Like, what, Do you see the kind of guy that we might go after as a backup um power forward slash center, but you know, he's a talented guy too, but I agree. You can't have those two on the floor at the same time. They get, they get run off the floor by speedier, uh, smaller lineups. 
Yeah, and there just isn't the shooting there as well. So no, no shooting at all. <laughs> no shooting at all. Definitely not. So let's go ahead and then move on to the Philadelphia 76ers, currently the seventh seed. Um, they are winners of seven in a row. They are playing better than almost anybody in the entire NBA at this point. Uh, Brian, what is your main takeaway from the Sixers? Well, I said that the, the first two teams we talked about don't scare me. These guys do. Uh, it's be hard to imagine a stronger core. Of, of young players in the NBA right now than, than, than this team. I mean, Embiid has come to the fore with amazing speed. Um, ben Simmons, yeah, I, I, I can I can intellectually accept that he's, he's quite a player. I'm, I'm not sold on him. I, I, I have a hard time seeing uh, a long-term point guard who can't shoot, but maybe he'll develop that. In the meantime, they've got they've got enough shooting, uh, I think, with other people like uh, Redick and and uh, Sarich and so on. Uh, there's there's a, a great deal of talent there. There's some depth now. They've added uh, Marco Bellinelli. Amir Johnson can help them in a lot of ways. They are a scary team. And the fact that they won a whole bunch of games in a row is uh, not at all a surprise. And I think they'll keep it up to the end of the season. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway when I – think about the Philadelphia 76ers is Joel Embiid gets to play every single game during the playoffs. There's no back-to-back, so he gets to play on the court the entire time, and when he plays on the court, they're a totally different team, obviously with him being their best player. Um, They also are a great team defensively. They're one of the only teams in the East besides the Celtics. They are the only team that has a better defensive rating than the Toronto Raptors, and I think that defensive rating is due in large part to their size. I mean, when you their starting lineup where they have uh, <clears throat> Embiid, Dario Saric, Ben Simmons, Robert Covington is, I mean, that's a huge lineup. So, yes, when you play those players all together, and I mean, J.J. Reddick's 6'4", he's a decent size. When you put all those guys out there, that's such a long team and a when you have Joel Embiid as your center, they can all, I mean, they can all move solidly. So I think defensively that team is just really frightening. The good thing you have on them is I think they could use a little more shooting. It wouldn't hurt them with uh, having two seven to kind of give Embiid and Simmons more room in there. I think, yes, Embiid can stretch the floor, but how much do you want him spacing the floor and how much do you want him to be involved with the action. So they also don't have kind of a guard who can get their own shot off. I know Ben Simmons is technically a guard, but I think of him as more of a forward. They don't have kind of a guard who can get off a jumper whenever you need it. So I think offensively they will struggle some against the Raptors. <clears throat> yeah. You're right. They, they, they could, ben, ben Simmons could probably put a shot up anytime he has the ball, but that doesn't mean he's going to go in the basket. And that's that's a critical failure. And you're also right about Embiid. I mean, how how far away from the basket do you want a guy like that to be playing? I, I don't want him 25 feet away from the basket or lifting up threes. He's too good a rebounder and too good a defender to uh, cast him to spend a whole bunch of time out on the perimeter. I don't yeah. think that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree. And maybe in a pick and pop, if you're running it with Simmons, you allow him to float out for some mismatches. 
But as far as you want him involved with the action, ironically, a guy that they really could use is Markel Fultz. If you got the player that was promised to you coming out of college, he's kind of that combo guard that could play point guard for them since Simmons is their actual point guard. He could play guard the one and be that kind of shooting combo guard who can get his jumper off. Yeah, and I, I don't see there's any way he returns back this season. If he does, I can't imagine he's effective. No, that would be too much. But uh, as far as let's move on to the next team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they are a team who we just saw beat the Toronto Raptors. They are a talented team. They've been even better since – they had the coaching change, and Jason Kidd was out of there. Brian, what is your overall takeaway from the Milwaukee Bucks? They're deep. They're very long, crazy long, in fact. Uh, they, when they get a couple of guys back, like uh, Brogdon and Delavadova, they're going to be even leaner and meaner than they already are. I think Jabari Parker is their X factor. If he can continue to um, play at a high level as he gets more and more fit and more and his timing returns, he could be enormously important to them as they as they get into the playoffs. So they're another scary bunch. I mean, it's, it's the kind of team where if, if the Raptors were to face them and lose, it would be all kinds of snickering around the league. But I don't think it would be such a shameful thing. You know, this is a this is a very good bunch. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if I were them, I wouldn't have Tony Snell as my shooting guard. I'd find somebody else. But the rest of the team is really strong. And obviously, they've got Giannis, who can do anything at any time. Yeah, they, they'll be the one team – or not the one team, I guess. They'll be one of the only teams that can go head-to-head with the Raptors with the best player on the floor. Giannis is kind of that next tier where he can – Go with the game defensively. He's turned into potentially defensive player of the year candidate. He's everywhere. He flies around the court, and then offensively, he does pretty much. He can do whatever you need him to, besides shoot the ball really from deep. But with a guy that's that talented and that good at getting a shot off around the rim, it's almost you don't need the jumper when you're that good. Um, just to talk about one of the things that I've noticed since Jason Kidd has been. When Jason Kidd was fired, he was fired on January 22nd. The Milwaukee Bucks ranked 24th in defensive efficiency, allowing 107.5 points per 100 possessions. Since that time, they have ranked second in the NBA, allowing more than six points less per game. So, I mean, that just speaks to the fact since he's been gone, the Bucks haven't ran quite as aggressive a defensive scheme and it's really helped them to sit and allowed them to use that length all over the basketball court. That's, uh, that's quite a, a, a data point of major importance right there. You called out uh, well done. Um, yeah, and, and there's no reason to think that they can't continue to do that. Like that, that's, not, that's not having a, a freaky sheet, a, a collection of games where your three-point average is 100, you know, way, way higher than it would normally be. Maintaining defensive efficiency is quite possible if you've got your players uh, used to hustling and, and seeing the results of, of increased defensive efficiency, namely wins, and they sure have been doing that. 
the biggest issue that they have, I think, at the end of the playoffs is that their their three point shooting, which you briefly alluded to with Giannis, is probably not up to where they would need it to be to make a, a big a big dent. Um, you know, Mirzatovic, as far as I know, is gone for the rest of the season, and he's their best. Um, asking Jason Terry to play a lot of minutes in, in the playoffs at four years old is, is kind of a tall order. Um, so that's going to be their their biggest problem is defensive cap- uh, sorry it's offensive capability from beyond the arc. But if they can defend the way you point out they have been defending since the coaching change, well, once again they're back in the picture as a very very tough out. Yeah, yeah. To your point, the starting lineup has really only two above average shooters in Middleton and Snell. Um, Eric Bledsoe's a good player and he can shoot it if you leave him open, but he's by no means a very good three point shooter out there. Henson can't shoot from three, and Giannis is only in those daring to shoot at situations. So, like you said, yeah, that could be a problem for them as far as. As the game slows down, they're not able to score and transition as much. Watching teams like the Raptors pack the paint and kind of get after them that way. Yes, it's going to be a seriously challenging uh, assignment to take them on in the first round, and that's one of those ones where we may very well need the seventh game at home to to knock them out if we were to face them. Yeah, I agree. Right now, they're in the sixth spot. They're three games out of eighth. Um, I don't see them falling to us in the first round as long as we maintain the one seed and even probably if we stay at the two. I think, luckily, we should be able to – they would at least be – right now, they're the sixth seed. They would make them in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think we at least should be safe until the second round playing the Milwaukee Bucks, which I think is a big blessing. I would – like to avoid playing them in the first of all possible, like you said. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the Raptors are probably not alone in that regard, um, wanting to play the Bucks, uh, or not wanting to play the Bucks. So let's look at a team that also is winners of four in a row. Um, the surprise team of the Eastern Conference, I think it's safe to say the biggest pleasant surprise of the Eastern Conference with the most surprising player in Victor Oladipo. Um, That's the Indiana Pacers who are 34 and 25 and are playing real basketball at this moment and are a real threat in the Eastern Conference. Brian, do you think that as good as they've been in the regular season, they serve as any postseason threat? I don't find them as scary as some of the other teams we've already talked about in the first round. Uh, I think that they are very mobile team. You know, you mentioned Victor. Obviously, he's been tremendous for them. Uh, they so they they can motor. Miles Turner, their center, can can run. Uh, they've been bringing up Demonte Sabonis uh, as well, and, and he can run and rebound and score. They have a lot of tools on that team that they can they can bring into play. Uh, I I question whether they're again whether they're going to have the kind of shooting that will be required um, at, at the end of a game, particularly if, if Victor is struggling even in the least. And I don't know that they're quite long, long enough to be the defensive force that a team like Milwaukee or Philadelphia can be in the playoffs. So 
my hat is off to these guys. I think it's, yeah, I, I was nowhere near predicting them to have the kind of record that they have. I think, I can't remember what the had with a forecast before, but it was certainly below 500. So they've already made me look bad and a lot of other predictors too. But I, I don't find them as worrisome a team as some of the others. I don't think they're, I don't think they're long enough and I don't think they're quite deep enough. Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as they're right now they're the fifth seed. If the Toronto Raptors got them in the second round series, I'd be thrilled. Um, they don't scare me nearly as much as a team like Milwaukee or a team like Philadelphia. Um, Victor Oladipo has been great for them. I I thought he was going to play better now um, back in Indiana. I had no idea because I don't think anybody did. Even the guys trading for him, I don't think Kevin Pritchard knew he was going to be this guy. Uh, so far this season, he's averaging 24, 5, and 4, which is remarkable. But something that you said, I don't think, besides Victor, they don't have another guy that they can really confidently get points from consistently. Uh, their second leading scorer in points per game is Bohan Bogdanovich, who's a nice player, but he shouldn't be your second leading scorer, in my opinion, of a team that's really threatening. Um, I think the Raptors will handle this team. I think the Raptors can probably win in five, I would say. Perhaps Indiana sneaks out a game, but I think a sweep is possible. And this team really doesn't scare me as much as some of the other teams around the league. No, but I think that they're the kind of team where, again, looking into the future, while their, their core doesn't look that thrilling, I think they've clearly demonstrated chemistry, and that will only get better as, as, the season, as they get older. So... I think this is a team to be uh, very well aware of going into next season. But for the playoffs this year, I'd be happy to take them all. I agree. Um, well, then let's move on to another team, um, a team that has been playing perhaps better basketball since their point guard went out, and that's the Washington Wizards. Brian, what's your biggest takeaway from the Wizards? <laughs> but I don't, I don't understand them <laughs> at all, uh, and I freely admit that. You know, how, how how can they lose, supposedly, as you say, you know, their best player, their assist leader, and he's even their blocks leader, for God's sake, and they're playing better. I mean, Bradley Beal, of course, is, is, is a force, but he was a force when Wall was there. I, I I don't understand this team. I think that they must be getting a lot of uh, coaching wins. I like I like Otto Porter a great deal. I think he's been very helpful for them. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky stepping in at the sort of point point guard position has been a revelation, although he, he's not a scorer. I I think that they are quite deep. I like I like their second unit. They've got experience. Uh, guys like uh, Ubre Jr. and even Jan Mahinmi who can at least get in the way. Jody Meeks can score. They're, they're, there's a lot going on with this team. Again, it's it's a team that I would be happy to face in the second round. Uh, I can't see them getting any further than that. I mean, if, if somehow we can get our arms around Bradley Beal and slow him down, I, I don't know that they've got a, a plan B for their offense. Right. I, if you look right now at the standings, it would be Toronto at the one playing Miami Heat, and then the four or five would be the Wizards Pacers. I think that's just about as perfectly as it could break for Toronto. I don't think you could do any better than that as far as playoffs are concerned um yeah Washington is something they'll have to work wall back in once he comes back there's no saying 
how much time he'll have to get ready and if he'll be fully back in game shape during that time. Um, they're also a team, I agree with you, I don't totally know what to get from them. I think they're probably at their best when Oubre and Porter Jr. are both on the court at the same time and they play a little bit smaller. But that also presents its problems for them. I'm not a huge fan of their front court and Morris and Gortat. And I, they're also a team, I agree with you, I would love to play in the second round if possible. Yeah, uh, but they, they, they won some, they've beaten some good teams. Their, their, their record is not pony baloney uh, recently, and, and so they're, they're not to be taken lightly. I mean, they beat the Raptors in Washington, another one of these tight, heartbreaking games a couple of weeks ago. So that was aggravating. And they've obviously got something going on. I, so I, I'd, like to, I'd like to face them, but they're a good team. i got to give them that. Don't, know, don't quite know why, but they are. Yes, and they've had success in past seasons as well. I mean, they have a good backcourt in Wall and Beal. So, like you said, they are, they are a real threat. I don't think they're anyone to be taken lately. I just, of all the possible options, there's someone that I think just due to the injury of Wall and how that will impact them, that it's someone that you wouldn't mind in the second round. Um, I'm going to go ahead and switch up these last two standings because I think the Cavaliers are the most interesting to talk about. So we'll start off with Boston, and what's your thought process on them, Brian? Boston is a, a tribute to the coach, a tribute to smart system basketball, I don't they, they, all somebody had us off to uh, Kyrie Irving who's been exactly what they expected and what they needed. Um, Jalen Brown has been excellent. Uh, Jason Tatum has slowed down a little bit, but still if you can have a rookie that's giving you almost 14 points per game, <laughs> you've got to be happy with that. I, I think that they uh, I don't know whether Greg Monroe is going to be anything magical for them. I don't think he, he fits in today's game, but is there? Uh, they're 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 a deep team. They can they can roll a lot of players, but I think that with, with a center like Aaron Baines, he's a hard guy to, for me to see them winning a lot with with such a critical position being being covered by a guy who's a journeyman at best. Uh, so they are a guard oriented team. They've got Horford who can do a lot of things. Their depth would be the thing that uh, the depth or lack of it would be the thing that would I think slow them down more than anything else. I don't know that they've got enough to uh, a ten man roster that can scare the best teams. Yeah, I they're a team that I think next year they'll be a real threat to win the East. This year, I think they're just too reliant on Kyrie Irving on offense. Um, when he goes to the bench, their offense sinks, and I don't think that's by accident. I just don't think they have a lot of guys who can get off their own shot and are really that much of a threat on the offensive end other than Kyrie Irving. Um, Al Horford's a great player. I like him a lot, but he is – I think he's perhaps suited as – he's the best kind of role man in the NBA. Like, he's very good at everything, but I don't think he really takes over the game at any point. Um, Tatum's a good player. I've been surprised by Jalen Brown in his time in the league. Um, he's been, he went from being a good athletic wing last year to being a 
kind of more complete player this year. But like you said, I I think they're kind of a year away, and I think they just aren't quite talented enough at behind Kurt, Kyrie Irving and Horford at the guys that you need to play. Aaron Baines isn't someone that I think scares me at all in a playoff series, and I think they aren't quite good enough at those players who are your fringe starters and players like that. Well, to that point, I can look at three, and I look at per being an important metric. And so you've got Kyrie with a per of 24.7, which is tremendous, and uh, a corporate at 18.1. And then after that, everybody is in and around the 14, 15, even below 15, which, of course, is a mythical average player. So Tatum's at 15.1, which, to all intents and purposes, is an average player. Jalen Brown is 12.8. So take make of that what you will, but I'm I'm in complete agreement with you that that's a very worrisome thing if I'm a Celtics fan. You need you need better metrics than that for the rest of your team. Right, and and I think they were someone that was kind of built to they're they're set up for the long term. In the fact, they still have a boatload of picks coming to them. They get Gordon Hayward back. And I just believe that they're not quite ready there this year. And that's okay if you're a Boston fan because you know that coming up, you're going to reap the rewards. You just have to be a little patient. Yep. Yep. So this is one of the things we talked about last time we got together, which is that as far as I'm concerned, if there ever was a year for the Raptors to put pedal to the metal, it's this one because Boston is not ready and they will be in a scary way in the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. All right, Ryan. It's time to focus on the team that has been the downfall of the Raptors for many years and the current favorite to win the Eastern Conference, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers, of course, as we all are aware, totally redid their entire team. They they have been good since that happened. They lost one recently to the Wizards, um, but they've won, I believe, three of four since the trade has happened. Brian... What is your biggest takeaway from the Cavaliers this season? Well, when they before they made the trade, they were really bad. They weren't even just having having a, a slow period. They were dreadful. I mean, they were getting blown out by bad teams. So they certainly needed to do something, and, and they clearly improved the chemical side of the team. Uh, it's very difficult to say suggested before to somehow rebuild your your all your critical players to the degree that they're going to to have a training camp in, in the last one third of the season. So far the results have been favorable. They they brought in veterans so they're more capable of absorbing uh, this kind of dramatic change than perhaps rookies would be. And they brought in good veterans. Whether they brought in great veterans is, is certainly uh, an open question. I don't like neither None of the guys that they got from the Lakers is really that experienced a player. Um, they got uh, George Hill, who can certainly step in and play. Rodney Hood is okay. Just another guy, but he's a useful player. Uh, the real question for them has got to be how people like um, Tristan Thompson, in particular, are going to play and what they're going to be like when they get Kevin Love back. Can they even integrate him into this on-the-fly team that they put together? Because obviously with LeBron, 
that having a guy like that on, on, on your team, a, a GOAT candidate, changes the entire dynamic. They, they can win any game. They can also lose any game, remarkably enough. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the map here with my, my answer to your question because that's how I feel about this team. They can, they can put up a 120 or they can put up 90 in the next night. I think that they're more of a threat now than they, than they were with the other people that they had getting rid of Thomas and Crowder and son Wayne Wade clearly was something that they had to do and they did it well. Uh, so do I want to face them? Yeah, I do. Not just for historical reasons, because as you pointed out, we lost to these guys the last couple of playoffs and I'm sick and tired of that, but also because I think that, that they're vulnerable. I don't, I don't believe that they can pull together the chemistry that they need to say, if we face them in the uh, Eastern Conference Final, which is quite foreseeable. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing that happened since that trade is they became at least competent at the point guard position. Before, they were relying on Isaiah Thomas, who was one of the worst players in the league statistically since he came back from injury, and Derrick Rose, who has not been the same player as he was years ago. I mean, if you look at what happened when they went on that streak of winning, I think, was it 18 of 19? Something similar to that. Jose Colron was their point guard. So, I mean, when Jose Colron <laughs> is the baseline point guard for when your team's successful, you know that as long as you get competent play there, you're more threatening. So, George Hill is at least decent there. He can shoot it a little bit. He's long defensively. Um, Rodney Hood is also a long player who's a little feast or famine, but can shoot the three a little bit. I think it just comes down to how long does it take this team to gel together? Um, they lost everybody. I guess chemistry-wise, they couldn't get worse than they were before, but it just it takes a while to get used to playing with players, particularly someone like LeBron, who's ball-dominant as he is. And not to mention the fact Kevin Love has to be worked back in once he returns from injury. It will be interesting to see how fast they can work everybody together defensively and how fast they can work everyone together offensively. Yes, and if they, if they can do it quickly, then they will be a major threat to any team that they face in the playoffs, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, they do have LeBron James, which is a pretty big deal in the playoffs. Um, but all in all, I think the Raptors have a pretty – favorable playoff road being in the East, perhaps tougher than it has been in previous years, but it's certainly something that they can handle, I think. Well, if, if, they, can, if they can't handle, I'd be very disappointed. I, I, there's no, are there some scary teams? Of course, sorry. you have to respect everyone, particularly some of the, you know, the, the, re, the remade Cavs. Uh, I think the Celtics have been overachievers, and I really will be very surprised if they continue to be a threat. I think that they end up the third seed. But even so, they, they can perhaps get a second win when the playoffs arrive. So all these are scary teams, but Cleveland is the scariest of all. Yep. And just as in what's seemingly been the case since LeBron's came into the – or I guess not at the very beginning, but since LeBron's beaten the Pistons, he's been the biggest uh, problem to get out of the East, and I don't think – that has changed any recently, so we'll see how it goes moving forward. Uh, I think that does it for us, Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cool. So I will get that uploaded. I'll try to get it tonight. 
Um, if not tonight, I'll get it posted tomorrow. When do the Raptors play next, right? Do you know? Tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Um, do you want to do the pregame or the postgame? Well, I can you're fading up. Oh, sorry. Do would you like to do the pregame or postgame? Um, I can do the free. I, I put myself down for the power rankings, but I'm thinking I don't want to go through that for just there were only a couple of games for each team last week. Okay. So yeah, that makes I'm gonna skip I'm gonna skip it. It's just too much work for just for that. I mean, obviously the next Monday that's a different story. Uh, so I'll spend Sunday doing that, but but not the, not today. It's just silly. Okay. Um so yeah, I'll do the preview and if if you want to do the recap, that's great. Or if not, I can do it, but let me know. Yeah, I'll do the recap. That sounds good. Um, did you see Sandro's email? He sent yes, one. Yes, I did. Uh, do you have anything in mind that you want him to look at? Can I think about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I haven't got anything up the top of my head. Okay, cool. Uh, I think it's something. I'd like to think about that. Sounds good. Um, all right. I think that's everything. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.